0: Company On ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right,
1: Reno's in the house. Vegas, 4 o'clock hours here. Big 4 4 coming up in just a couple minutes. Adam Candy back in a second. Angels out, are helping us out down here at Silver 7, Flamingo, and Paradise is the spot. It's our Thursday home. We appreciate being out here. Eric Andre joins us every month to kind of launch what's going on over the course of, uh, in this case, March at Silver Sevens, what's going on, buddy?
0: Uh, yeah, just to uh, start off on some of the good things, especially in the sports world, you know, with March Madness coming in, we're uh, doing our, you know, our famous seventy-seven cent bottles, uh, Bud, Bud Light, and uh, Michelob Ultra during tournament games. All right, men's and women's.
1: Really? Yes. Hello. Um, so men's tournament starts. Do you have a starting date on that? Because I know the men's tournament has the playing games. It's Tuesday that week. You're gonna start Thursday. You're gonna start right out of the gates. I'm putting you on the spot, but just to specify,
0: we're gonna go with Thursday. The okay, there 16th, you go. Sixteenth, I believe. So, it is. so mm-hmm. the uh,
1: there you go. The sixteenth and the women's tournament, which is freaking awesome, because uh, we want to see uh, locally UNLV do well in the women's tournament. Um, anything else going on for the NCAA's, or we uh, we want to fire away on what's happening with uh, St. Patrick's?
0: Uh, that's what we're doing for uh, the. Uh, tournament itself. For St. Paddy's Day, we're actually going to do, you know, traditionally the green beer uh, beads and hats. Uh, You don't have to do anything. Uh, You don't have to earn any points. You just go to our silver and gold sports bar, and while supplies last, you can get a hat, t-shirt, beads, blaze. We have tiers for the women, so we have all kinds of goodies that day.
1: So you want to come in and sign up for an A-play card. Why? Because you guys, it seems like you have a giveaway almost every day. If not a giveaway, then there's Um, you know super point availability uh, where you're uh, supersizing the points so talk about the giveaways because I think you got giveaways now on Tuesday Wednesday and Fridays for players
0: yeah just to do a a quick rundown on our Mondays we do seven times points Uh, Tuesdays and Fridays we do gift giveaways Uh, Wednesdays we're going to be doing gift card drawings in the evening Thursdays are our 17 times points and then Friday and Saturday evenings we do hourly cash drawings for 500 dollars
1: Giveaways, you got the Wednesday gift card giveaway, so a bunch of different $100 gift cards between 6 and 10.30. Tuesday gift giveaway. Correct. You've got uh, coming out on March 7th, food storage set, then some uh, Coleman items. You're really setting up people in the kitchen.
0: Oh, absolutely, yeah. And
1: then uh, Friday, do you have one of these robotic cleaners?
0: Uh, We're actually putting it in our display case over by our garage elevators. By the way, do
1: you get everything?
0: No, you I, should I get everything.
1: Right. Yes, you should take <laughs> everything. What's going on here? Get yourself a robotic cleaner. Well, are a boss. S-
0: I will say this my wife did want me to bring home one of the Louis from last month's drawing, but I had to give that away. So,
1: <laughs> well, I mean, if your wife doesn't want, Angel, we'll take it, right? <laughs> yeah, bring, it, bring it over here on Thursday. One of us will use it. What's going on here? Yeah, this is a very cool Friday gift giveaway. Uh, starts out March 3rd with a three in one robotic cleaner, but a uh, lot of cool things going on. Um, Still kind of ramping up the, uh, the specials and uh, more open times for the City Cafe,
0: right? Yes. Uh, and, again, kind of I just touched on that Louis Vuitton purse, but we're actually doing a month-long drawing. And like you mentioned about signing up for a card, we are doing a $15,000 Cash Madness drawing on March 25th as long as you have a player card just swipe it you'll get one free entry per day and then for every thousand points or sorry for the first thousand points you earn in a gaming day that can get you an additional entry and you deposit that in our big drum so this is a actual drawing where we pull a ticket out of the barrel there will be ten one thousand dollar winners and one five thousand dollar cash winner do not forget we're
1: out of covid it's time to start doing the entertainment again live entertainment's back for a couple of months now, it's on Friday and Saturday night,
0: right? That is correct. It starts at 9 and goes till 1 a.m. Uh, starting this weekend, we actually have two legit. Uh, the following weekend, we have the D&D Project Duo. On the 17th and 18th, we have Misfortune. Then we have Jim and Sherry on March 24th through the 25th, and then High Rise on March 31st through April 1st. And also with that, we've got our drink special that if you – um sorry not if you but you can come in and get either a bud bud light or Michelob ultra and a shot of either Jack Daniel's or Tito's for
1: $3. $3 beer and a shot special. I like it. I like it. This is the place for locals. Uh, the game day specials, you know, NFL's done right now but throughout the NFL season, 77 cent beers. Now you got the tournament men's and women's 77 cent beers and of course the rest of the season for the Vegas Golden Knights every time the uh, Knights are playing home and away. Eric, we appreciate it.
0: Thanks for stopping in. Anything else you got to pop? No, I think that's it. And thank you for having us. And we look forward to you seeing you next week. Yeah, thank, thanks for having us out here. All right, let's do it. Let's
1: get to business. Big four at four.
2: Battleborne Injury
1: Lawyers presents the Big Four at Four.
3: Number four.
1: Adam Candy is alongside as the company. You know, early in the week, earlier in the week, Willie was on and he threw me the question, Candy, about National Trading Card Day, if I still had trading cards, and I'm like, man, I don't take care of anything, so I can't have collectibles. And uh, I think my mother probably 30 years ago was like, oh, these boxes of cards, I don't know what they are. In the garbage. I am not a collectibles guy.
3: Samesies, buddy. same <laughs> uh, I, I, I I saw some news earlier this week about something that people actually spent $1.2 million on... The Joe Montana jersey. The game-worn jersey from the drive. Right? So From the catch. What am I saying? The drive. From the catch. All right. $1.2 million. I don't get it at all. Yeah, I've got my baseball cards. I can't tell you the last time I opened them or looked at them. I just don't get collecting stuff. What's the point? What's the point of spending all this money on something that goes up on the wall? I don't understand it. You look at it and go, oh. Look, there's a piece of clothing that some other guy wore. Here's a million dollars. No, I don't even care how much money I had in the first <laughs> place. I would spend it on something for an experience, for something. To nah. Spend it on a concert, spend it on a vacation, spend it I, but on a jersey, on a baseball card. Why? What's the point?
1: I think it's a lot of that is with people who have so much money, they don't even know what to spend it on.
3: I'll help. Yeah. they need help. They need help <laughs> figuring out how to spend it. I'll look. You can t- you can take me out to one of those Robichon kind of meals where every piece of food is smaller than my thumb, but the meal yeah. costs a thousand dollars. I'll do it. I'm in because it, it's once in a lifetime kind of stuff. I can I can remember the experience. I can love the experience. I don't look at a framed piece of something on the wall. I'm gonna tell you, I have one thing framed like that in my office. It's the shirt I wore when I was on the Price Is Right. <laughs> I framed my own uh, shirt, baby. I, I framed it. me. The hell with Montana.
2: Number three.
1: Jerry Richardson, former NFL player and former owner of the Panthers, has passed away. You know, reading a story about him earlier today. He did accomplish an awful lot, but I think there are some people, unfortunately, who will say all oh, that's wiped away when you act like a horse's ass around women and or a creep in other ways.
3: I'm not saying it all gets wiped away because I'm the one who liked this story. It also doesn't get wiped away, but man, do we ever have a tendency right after someone passes away to wipe off all the bad parts, right? And it's some sign of reverence in a way, right, for for death. I, I don't have it. It's well, not this is the whole, the whole discussion
1: right? of hashtag too soon. Like, hey, can you talk about
3: the full picture of a Jerry Richardson the day after or we got to wait three days? No, we absolutely can talk about it right now. And that's what we're going to do, right? I mean, look, Jerry Richardson made a lot of money in his life, did a lot of things in his life. But the other piece of this equation when it comes to Jerry Richardson is that he was a creep and he was fined nearly $3 million by the league. The statue of him that was outside the Panthers building was taken down like Saddam Hussein. And he basically had to give that franchise up in disgrace. And so... Here we are writing an OBIT today, and all the money that you made and all of the riches that you were able to pile up. That's not what people remember. That's not what people remember. They remember the fact that you had racist remarks in your background, that you were accused of sexual misconduct by staffers in your office. That's the stuff that sticks. Number two NFL
1: officials retiring. I don't know that I've ever seen like a public announcement about this. Who's moving on? By the way, it's also interesting that we even know the officials' names because that really shouldn't happen,
3: but it does.
1: Who's retiring?
3: Hey, I, I'm well aware of this. <laughs> I don't always want my name out there when the when the PA announcer comes up before the game. Is like, just want to make sure I have your pronunciation right, like uh, Bob Smith. Yeah. Like, no, you don't need to. <laughs> don't worry about me. Uh, yes, yeah, a number of officials resigned and one of them is uh jerome boger hey hey raiders fans remember jerome When's the last time you saw jerome last raiders game jerome had was the playoff game against the bengals two years ago everybody was pretty happy with jerome in that game right no mm, whistles really. blew at random times during the game or anything like that right uh, so raiders fans how you feel jerome bogers uh on his way out you should, you should be pretty excited
1: don't you feel bad piling on your uh you're highly achieved brethren.
3: I'm not piling on Jerome at all. No, 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 no. Hey, we've all just randomly blown the whistle in the middle of a play. <laughs> it happens. Fans have long memories. Top story. Number one.
1: I was fired up the last couple days when I saw this trade could be going down. Uh, Jonathan Quick. Well, first of all, I saw when he was traded to uh, Columbus, there were a lot of Kings fans who were like, that is terrible. Why treat a guy like that? Classless. All right, well now he's got another new home
3: uh yeah it's down the street it's right that's where you're gonna find john this, this this is not a good thing it's fine it's absolutely fine it's just the saga of what goaltending in the vegas golden knights sphere has been this year is crazy if you go back to the robin leonard injury to start with and all the people saying oh, i don't know can logan thompson do it he's only had 24 games well yeah i said right from the jump logan thompson could do it but they've had so many injuries and had so many questions and then they had the privilege uh earlier this week of watching Aiden Hill put the puck directly onto Miko Renton and stick early in the game and realized all right we need to at least get ourselves some insurance here and so they trade for Jonathan Quick and look the save percentage is under 900 this year he hasn't been good he's also 37 years old he's not the Jonathan Quick who won the cup but you know what last year he actually was pretty decent overall and I don't think it's the worst idea for this team to at least have that veteran presence around and maybe can steady them. Look, you want Logan Thompson in net for the Vegas golden Knights when all things are said and done here. But if Logan Thompson has a game where he gives up four goals in the playoffs and you need to put someone off the bench and put the guy in, don't you want the guy who's won a couple of Stanley cups and has done this before? I do. I don't think that's a bad idea to bring in Jonathan quick.
1: Getting quick. Does that suggest anything
3: severe about LT's injury? It's the Vegas Golden Knights. If you want me to try we'll to never know. read the tea leaves on an injury, uh, then I would be using those skills to make money or do something other <laughs> than try to read the tea leaves of the Golden Knights talking about an injury. He's year to year. Yeah, okay, that's, that sounds about right for VGK.
1: Considering the goaltender issues this year, and don't forget, you know, it's interesting, the other day, Adam Hill, when he was uh, on the show... You know, we kind of brought up you know, the the all the injuries the team has suffered. Like we, we kind of just wiped away the memory of Robin Leonard, right? Because it happened so far before the year. But just you know how deep they've had to go at
3: goalie. Yeah, of course. And look, Robin Leonard was basically hurt at the end of last year. Maybe, possibly. Ask Pete DeBoer. Uh, I don't know. He's going to go back in. Oh, no, he's not going to go back in. Oh, now he's taking pictures with Darren Rovell and everything's fine after the season. Oh, yeah, he's going to be out for the entire year. Nobody understands what's going on there with Robin Leonard beyond all of the financial stuff. And so it's been an absolute roller coaster. And what do you do maybe to try to settle down the roller coaster? You bring in a guy who has seen it all, done it all. That's Jonathan Quick.
1: Live at Silver 7s. Come on down here. we got some cool prizes, some T-shirts to give away. It is the home of the 77-cent beer when... Uh, our local teams are playing, all NFL teams, and also VGK games. It's all brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 766 1400. You can call from anywhere in the state of Nevada. They've got offices in Henderson, in Vegas, and in Reno. Battleborn Injury Lawyers.
0: It's Colefield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: College basketball tourney season is here in Vegas. Adam Candy is here with Cofield. Silver 7s on this Thursday. We got uh, Pac-12 already started up with the women's. The men's coming up pretty soon. West Coast Conference, that started up. That tournament on the men's side will be done early next week. Mountain West Conference Tournament, Candy, will start on Sunday with the ladies. And this is really interesting. I'm sure there's been cases in the past. But I don't remember a team with a dominant record like the Lady Rebels, at 28-2 and 18-0, and where I looked at them and I'm like, this tournament's not going to be easy because they won a lot of close games. And, you know, towards the end of the season, I, I started comparing Lindy LaRock's team to sort of the attitude that San Diego State has had over the years where you watch the men from San Diego in close games and they just look like they know what's going to happen. Like we're going to win. And the games I got to cover and I watched with the lady rebels when the games were close, there was an air of confidence and it just builds on itself. Doesn't it?
3: It absolutely does. And, And I'll tell you that to me is a team that is the most talented of every team in the conference. It's not really all that close when you look at how deep they go and the level of talent that a Desi Ray Young has and then the shooters that they have on the floor. And then you look at what they did against San Diego State. I know you saw that game over the weekend. And then what they did up in Reno, I mean, games where they were trailing late in both of those games. And there was seemingly no doubt for either team the way it was going to end.
1: And that's why, for me, it's not a shocker, back to the men's side, that Boise State and San Diego State are at the top of the standings because in close, tight games, they're tough. And it goes year to year. The same culture exists. Richard Patino is at New Mexico, and we wanted to talk about the Mountain West Conference Tournament. And the Lobos have had a very good year, and they're certainly in the mix to win this tournament because they split with those two teams at the top that I mentioned. Coach, how are you?
2: I'm doing good. I didn't know if you were going to introduce me. As speaking of losing close games, uh, you guys were talking about some close ones there, but I'm doing great.
1: I mean, right. it, college basketball is about a lot of those coin flip spots, and and sometimes they don't go your way, um, and it's it's hard to explain.
2: Yeah, you know, I don't know if I've ever had a year where two times all if the ball just didn't go in, we would a one. I mean, I've certainly had some where you lose, you know, where it's tied, or you lose a close one, but two walk-offs in our building was hard. Uh, but like you said, I mean, you know, for a year or two of kind of what we're trying to build, we've done some terrific things, and hopefully we can finish the right way.
1: What do you think the fan response is going to be uh, for the Mountain West Conference Tournament from Lobos fans? And that's both the women's side and the men's, because in the good years, uh, you guys would bring up, you know, seven, eight, nine thousand 9,000 people from Albuquerque. I mean, I, I know the conference want wants Albuquerque fans and Mexico fans to travel.
2: Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say certainly to get to uh, 20 wins and all that in year two of kind of the situation that we inherited. We're proud of, but the thing I'm most proud of is just the fan support. I mean, we've had several games of over 15,000. Um, you know, we're averaging over 14,000 in conference. So the fan kind of reengagement has been really fun and i think that's going to help just kind of rebuild the program uh but certainly from all the people that i have spoken to uh they seem very excited i mean i've heard a lot about uh just lobo fans kind of coming into las vegas round conference tournament time so uh it's been a fun team and it's been received well by the fans so hopefully they show out in las vegas
1: and i gotta give you credit on that because i was down there for that unlv new mexico game and i've always said when that place is full the pit is the best arena uh in the conference and it's not always easy when when uh programs are at a height you know the fans kind of remember that like nevada's still coming back from it i think they have a sellout this weekend but must level excitement isn't quite back with alford we're having a hell of a time here in vegas getting people back to the thomas and mac to get all fired up so it, it's not easy especially with today and tv and you know ticket prices and people aren't as willing to go out it's not that easy to fill the place anymore
2: well, it certainly has become a challenge, and I dealt with it um, in Minnesota, where you have all these sports teams that are building new arenas and doing some new things, where the uniqueness of Albuquerque is we don't have a lot of other sports and options, so that part of it makes kind of our situation certainly attractive. Um, you know, So I know that UNLV is dealing with that especially now that you've got Las Vegas, the Raiders coming into town and all those things. So I think these, these colleges have to show why they're, you know the dollar will be spent for their entertainment value. And I think some places are struggling to figure that out, where I do think that the pit is a very fun experience for Albuquerque and especially for New Mexico. And, and we've certainly had, I think, a 33% jump, uh, which we're really excited about.
1: Here in town, you can get tickets for the Mountain West Conference Tournament at UNLVTickets.com. Uh, the tournament starts up on the 5th with the ladies. The men roll out there on the 9th, and then the uh, the auto bid is up
3: for grabs because this is a very uh, deep conference. Candy, fire away. Well, I'm curious, Coach. You, you talked about your time at Minnesota, and you come from one of the most well-reputed conferences for being deep and putting a number of teams into the tournament every single year and we've talked a lot on the show about this being as deep as we've ever seen the mountain west I mean, you look at a game uh you know like we saw the one in wyoming earlier this week where we're talking about the team that's air quotes at the bottom of the conference winning and that's a team that has a guy like hunter maldonado leading them what's been your impression of the depth and the challenge
2: every night in the conference this year? yeah i think the depth is the biggest thing like you said i mean wyoming came into the pit. Now, we didn't have Jalen House at the time, but they came in and beat us. And I wasn't real surprised because they had a bunch of guys back from an NCAA tournament team. Um, I think it is a terrific conference. Now, if we can continue to build the net rankings, that's the key. Um, so that losing to a team at the bottom isn't as catastrophic because I think what you're seeing is so many programs – that are in the hunt with like 17 wins and a lot of that has to do with the big 12 the big 10 these metrics are amazing right now so you know i do think that if we continue to get a commitment level from administrations and from the conference to continue to help build these programs there's no reason why we can't be the west coast version of the big east i truly believe that because we've got so many good venues and so many good situations but we just got to get stability across the board. And I think we're building towards that.
3: Yeah, I mean, your team sitting in the 40s in the net, being the fifth-rated team in the Mountain West, I think speaks to the quality of the top end of the conference. And you talk about improving that overall. I, I felt like the idea of the net at least was to improve on what we had with RPI and and trying to get a more representative rating but is it still about non-conference scheduling or is it about getting the end of that conference like you talked about like getting the Wyoming's and uh, you know the teams that are at the bottom end up higher so that those losses in conference don't mean the same thing
2: I think the key to having high nets is always having great non-conferences, you know, strength of schedules. So I think from every administrative point, how they can help everybody schedule the right way so that we have money for guarantee games, we have money to be able to play in these MTEs. Uh, I don't know if that's uniform across the board in the Mountain West. I don't know if everybody has that to be able to do that. So, you know, financially, I think all the coaches are more than willing to schedule hard. I really do believe that, but not everybody has the resources to do that, uh, you know, and so figuring out that part of it, um, from the conference, obviously would be great, you know, but it's like I said, I mean, you gotta be into a point where we're sitting here, at what 21 and nine, if you're 21 and nine in the big East or 21 and nine in the big 20, you're in the NCAA tournament, certainly we're on the bubble and on the other side of it, um, but just the stronger all these metrics and the comp, you know, the non-conference scheduling can be that helps everybody across the board.
1: We're talking to the coach of the Lobos, Mexico coach Richard Pitino. Mountain West Conference tournament at Thomas Mack is uh, just a couple of days away. Can we talk about the small guards in this conference? You got two of the great ones in uh, in Jalen House and Mashburn Junior. There are so many guards that I watch who are you know six three and under where they appear to be in control of the game. And I watched the kid up close last night come into the Thomas and Mack, and Stephen Ashworth, my lord, he controlled the game. And it really it's a theme across the conference, there's so many good small guards.
2: Yeah, I mean, you look at obviously we have two terrific ones in, in Jalen House and Jamal Mashburn, but like you said, you know, Stephen Ashworth's really good. Shavers really not all that tall, he's terrific. Uh Trammell from San Diego State is as well. What I've kind of seen just in my all right, now I'm trying to build a program is the two, the three, the four and the five are really big. And that's probably where we got to get a little bit better so we can improve defensively. But it's one of those things where we have to sell out a little bit because those two guys are just really, really good and they have to play together. Um, But Harkless is another one that's not all that huge and he's a terrific player. So it's really interesting. I mean, it's that time of year where everybody's asking about first team, second team, all conference. Uh, and, And I tell you what, I, I have a hard time figuring out who it's going to be and who player of the year is going to be because there's so many good options.
1: So, Coach of the Year, I don't think you're allowed to say it on public airwaves in Albuquerque, and we're not really supposed to say it, but we are in Reno, actually. We have an hour right now on in Reno. I've been saying for weeks that uh, Steve Alford has done – he really has done an amazing job considering expectations, and he had a lot of turnover. Uh, Nevada is really good, and it's you know, a lot of it's because of Alford and Noodles.
2: Yeah, I uh... – I can't say that because they beat us at the buzzer, so I'm not giving them credit. <laughs> um, I'm not voting for anybody. I always like the coaches that we beat, um, but no, yeah. honestly, you know, Coach Alford's done a great job. Um, it's hard because you normally get the award when expectations are low and you exceed them. Um, but certainly, Brian Dutcher, just the, the the consistency of which he's done it is great. Leon Rice, I mean, he he, he lost a lot of key guys as yeah. well. Um, and he was able to replace them. I think Coach Alford's done a terrific job. Uh, I I don't see any, you know, you could even say to Miles. I mean, you know, what he's been able to do just with such a hard situation over there um, is great. So, I mean, there's a bunch of them. Um, It'll be really interesting to see kind of how it all pans out.
1: Coach, really appreciate your time. We'll see you up here in a couple of days. Thank you.
2: All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: There he is, Richard Pitino. We'll come back second half of the 4 o'clock hour live in Reno and in Vegas.
0: It's Coalfield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: Good job there by Richard Pitino, veteran coach with New Mexico in his second year trying to build things. I had a bunch more to ask him, but uh, we're always a little short on time uh, during that block of the show. Uh, He was on to Help promote Mountain West Conference Tournament here in Las Vegas. It's uh, going down starting on the 5th, so just a couple days away. Ladies go first, then the men. The men have essentially three play-in games with the seed 6 through 11. That starts on Wednesday. Then the quarters is a long day of four games, one you know through eight technically of all the seeds hold up. And then the semis could be awesome. I have a feeling that there's going to be some upsets along the way, so I don't think you're going to see one, two, three, and 4 on Friday night. And then who knows who will be in the final. I would expect Boise or San Diego State, at least one of them, to make it. But there's so much at stake for teams like Nevada, who if the Pack don't beat UNLV, and they'll be a pretty heavy favorite in front of a gigantic crowd at Lawler on Saturday, if they don't beat UNLV in that game, then they'll have two straight losses – And there's some pressure. they got to win some games, Candy, in the Mountain West Conference tournament because you got to have – you know, Richard Pitino just beat the drum multiple times. The conference wants to get to a point where it's considered as high a mid-major and gets the respect of the big Catholic. It's called the Big East, but we know it's turned into the big Catholic. It's not a knock on Catholicism, but the the, the conference doesn't look anything like, really, it did when you and I were growing up, right? All those schools are gone. UConn's back. But um, that's where they'd like to get to. Um, they're not there yet. So that means when you're four and five, even though by their metrics, by the NCAA's metrics that they supposedly adhere to, the net, even when your numbers are good, you're still not given the same credit that many other conferences
3: are given. I mean, the conference is what it is, and the tournament is what it is. And so you look at, take New Mexico, since we just talked to Richard Pitino. They're sitting there at 48 in the net. They're not even a consideration, for the tournament, Richard patino owned up to it. Said we're on the wrong side of the bubble.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, they're
3: under five hundred in the conference, so they're
1: right off the bat, you're screwed there. Even though
3: they got off to a seventeen and zero start, that that just screws you. Yeah, it does. And you, you talk about what what to expect in the tournament. The semifinals are where it's going to be at with, with this tournament because you're going to have at least one team in those semifinals playing for its life. That's going to be end of the season stuff for at least one of the teams that makes. The semis if not more but generally at least one because i watched a lot of san diego state and boise uh the other night and san diego state's just better i don't know that that'll show up in a tournament final but they are a better team uh boise has the element that makes them dangerous and that element is shaver Uh, when you have that level of point guard at this time of year who understands not just the ability to Uh, you know, to create plays, but how to control tempo and how to control the game. He made every right decision you could make in that game in terms of controlling tempo. It's just San Diego State has more options. So if this conference is going to get to that point, then it needs more Tim Miles, right? It needs more San Jose States that can help bring up the bottom end of the conference. And so for Nevada, as you just mentioned, and I worked my way all the way around to that loss up at Wyoming, it looks like a terrible loss. But if you had told anyone in November hey, the Wolfpack's going to lose in Laramie, you would have been right. like, yeah, and how much was Wyoming favored by? Right? And, and so the, yeah. it's not as bad of a loss. It's just Maldonado actually bothered to show up on senior night, and Wyoming played a lot more like the team everybody expected them to be.
1: Yeah, to build on the point about guys like Shaver and the other point guards, uh, when you watch the special-level point guards, they do control the game. And in the UNLV game that I was at up in Boise, they needed some plays down the stretch, and basically they were like, you know what, we're going to spread the floor. And Shaver's going to go against Jordan McCabe. And Shaver just got to about 14 feet, made a move, and the officials called a foul, but he easily could have risen up and hit a jumper. But the trust from Leon Rice to put the ball in his hands, just like CSU, which, by the way, Rich Bertino, you know, you're know you on the fly trying to name all the players. Isaiah Stevens is probably the best small guard in the league, and we didn't yeah. even mention him in that conversation. Uh, like, Ashworth was awesome. Um, Lamont Butler's the guy who's not mentioned, and he's very good. He mentioned Trammell. I mean, this league is loaded with really, really good guards.
2: It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Brad Powers.
1: Mr. Powers is in on a Thursday. Adam Candy's here. It's Cofield on in Vegas and Reno live at Silver 7s. Brad, how are you, buddy?
4: Excellent. Thanks for having me.
1: You bet boxing a couple of days ago. I don't think I've ever seen you tweet about making a boxing bet, and of all fights, (laughs) yeah, uh,
4: you know, call it boredom, or call (laughs) it that—you know, maybe I fell prey to the, uh, you know, conspiracy that you know, maybe maybe there was some shenanigans going on uh, in other Jake Paul fights, but I, I succumbed to that thought process, bet Jake Paul, and obviously made a really bad bet.
1: Did you watch the fight?
4: No, no, I didn't watch the fight. But uh from everything that I read, uh the fact that it got a split decision said that maybe my instincts were maybe correct that there might have been some nefarious things going on, but I mean yeah. when you get out punched and out hit, you know, 2 to 2 to 1, 3 to 1, I mean you got to rule in favor of Fury.
1: It was a it was a wide gap in terms of boxing ability. So a couple things on that fight one, I've bet the last four fights against Jake Paul because I'm like, he's not that good. This guy's going to whack him. Did I bet Fury? Of course not. So I don't, I don't keep going with the train of thought that if someone's going to eventually get him. What I didn't understand is the whole approach of Jake Paul, which is kind of a novelty deal. And, yeah, fight old boxers and, and old MMA guys who can't box. Why would you go against another box? I feel like. Maybe the business of Jake Paul is so awesome, and there's so many other things that we don't know about in terms of his popularity that he can make more you know another fight with fury, but i don't I don't really get it in terms of the interest,
4: yeah, or maybe you just uh, couldn't get anybody else that that really wanted to do it uh, yeah. but uh, i I can't believe that I mean there's significant paydays involved time he fights so yeah i I'm not gonna question it too much because he's got a couple more zeros uh, in his overall net worth than I yeah. do, so. Uh, yeah, I, I did. Obviously, hindsight's going to be 20 20, uh, where if he kept that undefeated streak a couple more fights, obviously he could have added uh, another 0 or 2 behind his overall net worth.
1: So let's bring Candy in on this because Candy does a great job writing for illegal sports report.com in addition to being part of the company here on ESPN Las Vegas on the press box. Um, but I'm going to start with you, Brad. I saw you tweet something about a FanDuel number and a FanDuel comment that. Um, what percentage of people, or at least the single bettors, made at least one parlay bet with that book last year? 86%
4: uh, ended up making a parlay bet, which, you know, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, heck, even a guy like myself, man, you know, I'll, I'll bet a parlay every now and then if there's correlation and whatnot. But uh, I, I think what they were meaning was same game parlay, that 86%.
1: Oh, Really?
4: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, they directly. The whole article was kind of about the parlays, same game parlays, and uh, you know, obviously, heavily contributing to the fact that Fanduel, as a company, as a sports book, had an overall hold in twenty twenty two of ten point six percent. I mean, that's double what it is here in the state of Nevada on average.
3: That's the part that's remarkable to me, Brad. Following. Everything from the Supreme Court decision until now basically five years is that they started that same game parlay product almost immediately and that has been the wave that has pushed everyone else that way. I mean, what have you seen in terms of, you know, all of these books that rest of country are have become so big in the way that it seems like everything is about the rec sports better and getting them into these, you know, these lottery ticket kind of products.
1: Uh you
4: yeah. know. Obviously, it's not ideal. Uh, yeah, I think because I mean, sooner or later those types of guys, you know I think the money does eventually run out. I mean, when you lose consistently and you're I mean, obviously you're gonna lose, but the fact that they're losing two x three x four x than you know your typical guy in the state of Nevada has over the last thirty years, I mean, i don't I don't get the long term of how that's you know gonna be great for obviously not only the better but the sports book if the better is no longer betting. so, I mean, I have to question it. Again, they, they they probably got some consultants that make a lot more than me. So maybe they're, they're, the end-all is grab market share. So let, let me give them a compliment. I mean, FanDuel reached 50% market share already. One book, 50% market share. And obviously DraftKings is right in line at number two. So, I mean, the object is when the music stops and there's no longer 15, 20 uh, different regulate, you know, regulated sports books out there, you want to be one of those two, three guys last standing. And, obviously, FanDuel is doing a good job of that.
1: Brad Powers is with us here on Cofield and Company. You know, Brad and I did a lot of radio going back five years. That was a good show, uh, R.J. Bell show straight out of Vegas. We did that on Fox Sports National, so pat myself on the back and Brad on the back. And, by the way, I talked to Scott Shapiro, was the boss over there, and he was highly complimentary of the job you did on that show. I'm serious. I'm not making that up. Uh, we were talking about Brad. But I remember a conversation, Brad, we had about five years ago as a topic on the show, and it was – really about this with sports betting going nationwide, what would those sports books look or who would they look to court? And I think it was you and Fez had a a pretty good debate on how valuable sharps would be versus just volume. And as it turned out, you know, early on here, I mean, if I'm correct, it looks like there's, they put a lot more value and they're making a ton of money on the volume betting and they don't need guys like you.
4: No, they don't. Uh, and that's just, but I mean, some book does. I think, mean, sooner or later, some book does. And you're like, please, we'll balance yeah, I mean, it out. Otherwise, I mean, especially in some liquid markets, I mean, one book is. I mean, obviously, we're here in Nevada. A book like Circus, is doing a good job of that. Some of the other books here, Westgate, whatnot, uh, are still doing a good job of that. But, I mean, one book has to. Otherwise, you're just not going to have very sharp lines, period. And uh, we'll, we'll figure it out, you know, how to get down some way or another. But no, no question about it. And the argument, it wasn't me. It was... RJ and Fez, there I can tell you exactly it was uh, at one of those sushi places I think off Sunset. I can remember that <laughs> conversation, and I think both are right. Yeah. I, I think it's moving a little bit slower than RJ predicted because he thought you know AI is coming and that's going to also be something that knocks out some of the sharper guys. It's just you know guys like myself that like to originate were just get knocked out by the AI. You know the computer generated type stuff of the world. The market's going to get that much sharper, but uh, it's taking a little bit of time. I mean, there's still there's still opportunities. I mean, I probably made more money than I ever had betting uh, last year, so I still think there's some room here the next five years or so, but sooner or later, you you're not going to need a guy like myself, in my opinion.
1: There you go. Brad Powers, better memory than I. I thought we did that on the air, and you're like, no, we did it off the air, and we were having sushi. Jesus, you remember the, you remember the meal. I, exa- I remember exactly where that place was. That's a good, really good point. All right. Um, hey, you're very familiar with Ohio. Um, and I saw you tweeting out the numbers, and I know Candy you know, reports on this stuff as well. Ohio in January for a handle? That's nuts.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I grew up in Ohio. I know it's, I mean, it's very sports-driven, uh, just, I mean, state there. Uh, obviously, football's the main driver, but I mean, it's its almost like a religion there, uh, the football. You know, start, you know, starting with high school football, Buckeyes are huge, and then obviously Browns are Bengals. So, I knew sports betting. That was one of the markets that people obviously people were talking about California and Texas and Florida, some of those popular states. And I was thinking, I mean, wait till you see what Ohio can do. And I gotta be honest, they even surprised me. The fact that they their very first month, number two state in hand, a one point one billion. And that, keep in mind, they started the day after the Buckeyes played in the in the college football playoff on New Year's Eve. So, I mean. I can almost safely say now, until California, Texas, and Florida gets their act together, no surprise. I think Ohio's gonna be the number two market, only behind New York as far as overall handle. That that's incredible to me.
1: That is incredible. Can I make the leap on this one? <laughs> maybe oh. can maybe Candy wants to No, I just I, I I think to me a lot of the biggest states uh, for handle coming out of the gates are the states that had a previous gambling base, and we know who ran sports gambling in a lot of these states, and we know Cleveland is very famous for having guys with crooked noses and families that were connected. Um, I I do believe, and Illinois is the same thing, I do believe a lot of those states that have passed gambling have had sports gambling for so long that they had a little head start on maybe some of the states that have a bunch of rubes and really didn't have established underground gambling.
4: Absolutely. It's already ingrained. They're, they're, They're accustomed to it. Obviously, not only Cleveland, Youngstown was huge. There, right on over to Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania, Chicago, obviously, Illinois. So, and obviously, got yeah, your New York, New York, and New Jersey that, that are familiar with it. What surprised me? I mean, I knew it was going to be bad as far as what the betters lost, but the fact that the hold percentage not only was one, one point one billion handle, but a hold percentage of twenty percent. Oh my goodness! You would think. That those people that have been ingrained in betting, you know, offshore illegal, you know, yep. gray market, they wouldn't be that big of a losers coming out of the stretch, but uh, out of the gates. But uh, obviously, you know, the sports books really got the best of the, the betters that opening month.
1: So I want to come full circle on this for the books in Vegas because the handle here, you know, it's just not uh, the win percentage is just not as high. What? It's weird because I'm the I'm a player. I don't want to get screwed. I want to win. Like what could they do to to replicate what's going on in other states? Or like, we're too savvy to get beat? Are they not aggressive enough in offering kind of the rip off, same game part? Like, what would they actually have to do? Are they too nice to us? Bottom line, <laughs> no, they're not nice. I say that. <laughs> uh, they just
4: don't offer. I mean, you're not a fan doing DraftKings here. Uh, I mean, uh, the offerings for those two books are just. I mean, you can get after you know player props a lot, be- you know, better. But I mean, that should be advantage player not not necessarily sports books so i just think you got way too many people even even the squares here are way sharper than the squares back east so uh i, I don't know how, how you know other than just offering more here uh, I, I don't, i'm not sure what, what what the thought process is how, how they become more player friendly i just want i'll say this here's what i do still like about vegas uh, a few sports books they'll still take a bet compared yeah. to a lot of the other you know states they're, they're just yeah. afraid to take a bet and that that's what's keeping me here in Las
1: Vegas. I uh, I saw our buddy Sam Peniavich, who we have on Tuesdays, was talking about the Massachusetts market, and I think someone you know he couldn't get down a bet for like over a hundred or two hundred bucks on a thirty-one to one NCAA tournament choice. Oh it's wow. Like, come on! I mean, that's that's crazy. Brad Powers is with us. All right, last couple minutes here. College football schedules are uh, just about all out. Um, clearly, you have to when you look at schedules that can change your take on an over under. Um, I think, right? Like, uh, I'll, I'll give you a local example. Last year, UNLV had a five game block that looked murderous before the season. And then, of course, they lost Doug Brumfield, their quarterback, for part of it. Schedules and placement and bad runs of, you know, road games and, you know, rough team, physical teams, that can change your over undertake, right?
4: Absolutely, Ted. And that's an excellent uh, question because, you know, Obviously, a lot of times we know the opponents, and people are like, "Well, that shouldn't affect the." If you already know the opponents, the placement shouldn't affect it. I disagree. I mean, there's been instances where teams, you know, one team in the conference might only face one opponent off a of bye in a season, and then another team in that same conference might have to face five different teams that are coming off a of bye. So you can get some rest advantages and disadvantages there, or just placement. I mean, a team that might start their first six games and five of them on the road. I mean, especially a team that might already have some depth issues, that can really affect a team down the stretch. So uh, certainly placement, you know, plays a role. Is, is it the end all? No. Is it going to change, a, you know, a, a season win total for me by a win? No. But, I mean, a half win it could. And obviously give me a half win all, all day, all night, twice on Sunday.
1: Brad, when's the first spring game? Uh, has there been one played already at this point?
4: Uh, I gl- Look at you. you. You know I would know that answer. It's Tomorrow, Hawaii uh, is their spring game, and it's so early because they're trying to continue to expand uh, the, the, the stadium there to 17,000. So tomorrow for spring game, and I'm, Bowling Green is Saturday.
1: There you go. Follow Brad on Twitter because these are the real nuggets because he watches all these spring games and gets you early impressions on these teams, and especially now that everything's so fluid with rosters. Brad, you're awesome, man. We appreciate it. Thank you so much.
4: Hey, thanks for having me. Take care.
1: Brad Powers at Brad Powers Seven up on Twitter. Candy, this is pretty nuts with the handles in, in the states that are just introducing sports gambling. The not the handles, but the 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 take the the win it the the numbers are freaking boffo.
3: Parlay, 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 parlay. That's it. It really is the the story of the whole thing. What we've seen nationally, people want to bet a little to win a lot. That is the story of rec bettors across the
1: country. In Reno, listen to the whole show on LVSportsNetwork.com. All three hours or the archive of this hour. Same site, LVSportsNetwork.com.